Hello and welcome to episode number 89 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. We have a lot to cover on today's show from systemic racism, Major League Baseball, and all the other insanity going on in the world right now. Minneapolis has assessed the damage from the rioting and looting that happened after the George Floyd death. And it turns out Minneapolis officials now saying 700 buildings were damaged, burned or destroyed in the recent unrest. And most of the worst damage is in minority communities that have already been hit hard by COVID-19. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody that was following this. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody that understands where all of this is coming from. The rioting and looting was not there to actually help anybody. It was there to hurt. It was there to do more damage. And you can say that Black Lives Matter, and they do, but when you are looting and burning down their communities where the people live, I would start questioning the motivation behind it, except for the fact that they wanted to use a tragic death as the fire to push for new social justice insanity. Now, pushing for people to be treated equally. That's absolutely understandable and absolutely right. But that is not what is being pushed for, as we've talked about on this podcast in the past. We're now hearing things like defund the police. We see what's going on in Seattle, where protesters use air quotes, have taken over a six block area where all sorts of crime is going on. I mean, they want to tell you, oh, no, it's great. It's like a big old block party. But you hear stories from people that own businesses there and they've ventured into the Chaz, Chab, whatever they're calling it now, after dark. And it's not someplace that you want to be. It's anarchy. It's lawlessness. And we have a nation built upon laws. The people in Congress are lawmakers. If we're not going to believe in laws anymore, if we aren't going to enforce laws anymore, Those are the first people that need to be out of a job are the lawmakers because we don't need anybody to make laws if they're not going to be enforced, if nobody's going to pay attention to them, if we're going to go back to the time when lawlessness ruled the land, well, then just let everybody know because everybody will be on equal footing at that particular point. So the rioting and looting doing damage to these communities, not a surprise. It all is there to push a narrative. It's there to enrage people, just as we've talked about in the past with the cop killings and stuff. Again, it was a tragedy. It was a murder in my book, what happened to George Floyd. But when you look at the statistics of what's going on in this country, there is not a massive problem between the police and the citizens. And there is not a massive problem between the races. I mean, again, check out HeyJackass.com for the latest Chicago numbers on the amount of people who have been shot and murdered this year with a vast majority of the crime being black on black. But Black Lives Matter, the people that are running these organizations, they don't care about that because that doesn't help their narrative. The narrative is we want 
money. We want social district. We want redistribution of wealth, which is what they're calling social justice. But you're hearing more and more talk of reparations, not just one time payments, lifelong payments to ADOS, the American descendants of slaves. And I go right on back to what we learned talking about raising the minimum wage, which wasn't there to help the minority communities and the lower economic communities. It was actually there to keep them out of a job, to keep them on the dole, to keep them reliant upon the government. And that, to me, is a huge, huge problem. In the United States of America, the way the system is set up, I don't see any systemic racism. Everybody, the moment they're born, has the same chance of making it and the same chance of failing. And everybody gets multiple tries here. We talked about Charlemagne the God, the radio announcer, whatever you want to call him, that went from a troubled youth that was arrested multiple times to a guy who's making multiple million dollars a year just talking on the radio. I mean, I see. I don't know where the glass ceiling was that kept him out. I mean, I also don't see the one that kept Barack Obama from becoming president of the United States. But Scott Adams, the guy that does Dilbert. He's on Twitter every day. He talks more than I do. I know that's hard to believe, but he was asking people on a daily basis, show me for one week. He did this every day. Where is the systemic racism in the United States system? I mean, we understand people are racist, but show me because we're hearing the word a lot, the systemic racism. Show me where that exists. And I don't think anybody has been able to do that. Because the way the system's set up, the laws are quite clear. Everybody is treated equal in the, in the eyes of the law. And we talked about that on a previous show here as well. And you're going to have some people tell you, well, you know, we don't have enough blacks doing this, this, and this, and this. It's like, well, you know what? Well, then the NBA, if we're going to go by the same type of system, they should take a lot more slow white guys like me with one somewhat good eye. And no good jump shot. But I should probably be on an NBA team because, you know, why not? It would be fair. It's it's fair. Let's talk about fairness, but not talk about doing the hard work. I mean, isn't it wrong that Major League Baseball teams? I mean, there's no transgender players in any Major League Baseball teams. I mean, they're a total crap show right now, Major League Baseball. And what's going on with the negotiations? But we could talk about that in a minute. I mean, the NFL. I mean, isn't it unfair that they don't have any women on NFL teams? Where is the fairness in all of this? You tell me. It just doesn't make any sense when you're going down the line of saying there's systemic racism, but nobody can really point to one thing. Nobody can come up with exactly what the problem is. You know why? Because if somebody can actually verbalize and put down in black and white what a specific problem is, It can actually be evaluated. And if it is, in fact, a problem, it can then be solved. It can be talked about. It can be debated and something can be done about it. But when there is a just a very vague thing thrown out there, nothing ever gets done. And this is where we're at right now. I mean, let's defund the police. Let's talk about what's going on in New York City where a 31-year-old career criminal, and I know that's kind of hard to say at 31 years old, shoved a 92-year-old woman to the ground, 
into a fire hydrant. And we were all, everybody was so outraged when a couple of cops knocked over the protester dude that was what, about 80 years old. And he hit his head. Everybody was so upset about that. All the cops should be fired. Well, this young 31 year old black guy that just randomly knocked this woman over on purpose, assaulted her. I mean, should we hold all young black guys responsible for this? I mean, it makes sense. If you're going to blame all police for what happened to George Floyd, if you're going <laughs> to take all the police and hold them responsible for what happens, well, then you should hold all young black guys responsible for what one young black guy did, right? The logic seems to make sense. But New York's got a problem in the fact that it's one of the most liberal cities in the United States who doesn't even do bail anymore. If it's pretty much if you don't kill somebody, it's catch and release, which is why this scumbag had three other open criminal cases at the time that he shoved this 92 year old woman to the ground since he was 16. So I'm assuming this is just in his adult career. Most of the time, the juvenile records are sealed. But in his adult criminal career, from the age of 16 to the age of 31, so, you know, 15 years, give or take, has been arrested over 100 times. Over 100 times in 15 years. You know, I'm not great at math, but I can tell you the math there isn't too hard to do. He's a sex offender, cases open for uh, criminal assault, uh, harassment, indecent exposure, moved without telling anybody and updating the sex offender registries. Oh, so overall, just a really nice guy. But in New York, you can keep doing this stuff over and over and over again, and they're just going to keep releasing you back into the community. But you want to defund the police department, huh? That would solve these problems somehow and make New York into even a better utopia than it is right now, where the crazy Karen, of course, called the cops on the black bird watcher and said that he was threatening her and her dog. Yeah, New York needs less police to handle the people that live there. That makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, everybody would have to move out of New York, but that might actually be a better way to go i mean this this concept that we can take the money and head off crimes is lunacy to me because you're making the assumption then that only people with economic struggles are the ones that commit crimes and that is just not true maybe are there more when it comes to things where people have to steal to provide food for their children yeah i get that but i don't think that's where a vast majority of the rapes and murders and all of that are coming from but we're going to get into that utopia that if we just spend money on social programs well then the kids will never grow up to be criminals and that is not the case throwing money at this is not going to do anything The family unit is a big part about that, but nobody wants to talk about that because it's very inconvenient when you see that a lot of people that go into a life of crime didn't have a father influence, didn't have two parents watching over them as they grew up to guide them. One parent households are very rough. One parent means that one parent has to go out to work to earn a living and the kids are not watched as much. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, when you're not being watched, 
you'll find a way to get into something that you shouldn't. I mean, various degrees of bad, but we all know what happens. There's that whole when the mouse away, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play is the old saying. And it is absolutely positively true. And the total assault on religion also. Because if you have a moral compass, you're going to commit less crimes, but there's also an assault on religion. There's an assault on the family unit. We're being told that everybody can do whatever they want. If you're gay, you can't be fired. If you're transgender, you mean, it's just, it's an anything goes society. And that's great. But when it's anything goes, there's a lot of people that are going to be doing things that other people don't like. And if you're going to say, well, you have to let me do what I want to do then there's going to be another group of people that want to do something you're totally appalled by. They're going to go, hey, well, then I get to do this. Which is why we come back to being a land of law and order so everybody knows the score. Everybody knows the playbook that we're using. Everybody knows what behavior is allowed and what behavior is not allowed. This this whole concept of racism and systemic racism is interesting to me, as I talked about on a previous show, I think it was the last show, the people you hang out with are usually a mirror of yourself, which is why I'm sure a lot of white people hang out with other white people, a lot of black people hang out with other black people, a lot of Chinese people hang out with other Chinese people. You have a culture, you have something shared, you have something in common. I fully believe that people should try to cross those borders, that people should try to make friends or at least interact with people that are totally unlike them to learn from their experience, because you can learn from their experience and learn how different cultures are totally different than your own. And everybody that can do that will be enriched, which is why a lot of people like to travel. But of course, that comes down to the economics as well, because traveling around the world certainly is not cheap. But most of the racism is really not based upon the color of your skin. It is based around the number in your checking account and in your savings account. I mean, hey, even in your stock portfolio, if you happen to have one of those. And I don't think there's any question about that, because I don't believe many people with, you know, five thousand dollars, you know, or way in debt, you know, to their name are hanging out with many millionaires. And I don't believe any millionaires necessarily are hanging out with multi-billionaires. And there's a bunch of a sliding scale that's in there. And I believe most people probably more than race are hanging out with people within their social, within their economic stratus, you know, for what's in their bank account, where they live. And that certainly makes sense, but it has absolutely nothing to do with race, but it sounds a whole lot better. When you put it into racial tones, and when I mean better, I mean worse, because that's how you're going to fan the flames and get everybody riled up. And when you have organizations like Black Lives Matter, now there's a big difference, again, between saying Black Lives Matter, which on its face is a very true statement, one everybody in the world should be able to get behind unless you are, in fact, a racist. But the organizations calling themselves Black Lives Matter not so much you want to do your homework on them see who is funding them and see what they're really looking for when it comes to things like defunding the police 
allowing, you know, closing all the prisons. There are some ideas that I don't think the average person is ready to get behind. When it comes to economics, I go to the great prophet, Bruce Springsteen, who once said in song, the poor man want to be rich. The rich man want to be a king and a king ain't satisfied until he rules everything. This is the problem at the heart of everything in the world is that nobody is satisfied with what they've got, which is why socialism actually never works because socialism on the outside, which is with all these people who are calling for social, find me somebody that lives under socialism who thinks it's a good thing. Show me one person who comes from socialism has lived under socialism. That is a fan. The people that are fans of socialism are the ones that have never tried it. Didn't have any family living under it. Who looks at this like, wow, wouldn't this be a utopia if we were all treated equally and we all had the exact same? And it doesn't work like that. Human nature will not let it go like that. The utopia just doesn't exist and it will never exist because everybody wants more than the next guy. When you're living under something else, hey, one little thing will change that barometer. As I said, not everybody gets to marry a supermodel, and and that result is not everybody is equal and never will be. The concept that you can make that happen is a fallacy, and trying to make that happen just shows the fallacy, hence it all breaks down. Does that make sense? I hope so. The internet itself was created to be one of these utopias where information could be free, where everybody could have access to all the information and the ability to publish whatever they want. And like every good socialistic society that worked well for a short period of time and has now completely started to crumble. The latest thing on the radar is the fact that Google has now defunded two right-leaning websites from making any money uh, from Google ads. This is no surprise to anybody. We've talked extensively in the past about Twitter and the way they shadow ban and go after conservatives. The insanity is the further we get down the rabbit hole, the worse things, more one-sided things are getting online. Twitter this week has hired James Baker the former FBI lawyer at the center of the Trump collusion fiasco. You know, all the lies that they tried to get Trump on. Well, the guy that was the top lawyer of the FBI among that time during what they called crossfire hurricane. Baker is a guy that just can't be trusted by the FBI. So Twitter hired him because that makes sense because we know Twitter wants to be really fair. In the uh, quote on this guy, Twitter says that Baker is committed to our core principles of an open Internet. See, I'm laughing even trying to read this because it is so obviously not the case. So obviously the opposite of this. But the Twitter statement reads, Baker is committed to our core principles of an open Internet and the freedom of expression. He brings experience navigating complex global issues 
with a principled approach. Yeah, sure, Twitter, sure, Jack, I buy that. I buy that. Oh, yeah, it sounds really legit. When you hire the FBI's top lawyer during a crossfire hurricane, the investigation into Donald Trump's campaign that has fallen apart at the seams, and it appears that there will be criminal complaints going against some of the people involved in that farce. But go ahead, Twitter. Keep digging your hole. At least you're showing us exactly what side you're on. And a lot of people are going after Facebook because Facebook doesn't want to be involved in this to the point. I think Facebook understands a few things. One, the age, average age of a person on Facebook is probably a little bit older than it is on Twitter. And you have a few more conservative people and Facebook knows it would actually cost them money. Twitter either doesn't care or understands that their demographic is so left leaning that it just doesn't matter that they're willing to be a complete and utter shill for the radical left. There has been a law that has been proposed here by Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri that's going to be introduced. This legislation would give consumers grounds to sue companies like Facebook and Twitter over the accusations of selective censorship of political speech. Now, this is actually a good thing. I mean, it falls a little short in that it's only going after websites or mobile apps who have more than 30 million users in the U.S. in a month or 300 million worldwide, so or more than 1.5 billion in global revenue. So they're going after the big boys. We get it. This isn't something going after the smaller niche websites out there, but this is still a good start. Under the bill, Users who believe the provider is not, quote, operating in good faith by consistently and fairly applying its content rules could then sue the company for $5,000 and attorney fees. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. If every conservative, say, that is using Twitter can make a case that their tweets are being banned. They're being shadow banned. They're being suspended for things that are being allowed from the other side would be $5,000 per every user every time this happens, plus attorney fees. And that will start costing companies like Twitter money. And maybe that kind of real money being cost will send them down the path of once again actually being an open platform where people can actually speak their mind. I'm all for getting rid of the blatant, you know, child pornography, the blatant things that the whole world can agree shouldn't be a part of the discourse, but the free exchange of ideas must once again be allowed across these platforms. And if it's not, again, nobody learns anything. You don't even get the chance to learn what the other side wants. And then the whole thing becomes a big echo chamber, which is pretty much what we have right now. And Major League Baseball, I mean, if I didn't call this one for the last couple of years, I don't know who has. Baseball is going down a path that is going to have the few fans left running for the exits and not coming back. The commissioner within a five day period 
made a statement saying he was 100% sure we were going to have baseball this season to saying, yeah, I'm not really sure we're going to play within five days. That's a pretty big switch from one side to the other. And the question becomes why I'm not putting the blame totally on either side here, because I do believe there are problems on both the player side and the owner side. But right now, that seesaw is going a little bit further in the owner's direction. At least six owners now, it's being said, are totally against having a season in 2020 and has nothing to do with the coronavirus or health reasons. This is 100% to do with economics. This is 100% to do with the fact that there is a collective bargaining agreement coming up in baseball at the end of the 2021 season. And they're doing what they can to try to minimize the amount of money they'll be putting out. And I get it. This is a capitalistic system. But if you don't treat your employees fairly, maybe they'll go somewhere else. I mean, there's always that option. It's never been floated seriously in the recent past, but it's definitely something that could happen. An NBA player said the same thing. You know, do we really need the owners? If everybody gets together. I don't know then how this all works out on who's getting paid and where they play and all that, because there's a lot of logistics going on, but there's a lot of negotiations now that need to be done with Major League Baseball, and it's, it's just being further convoluted by Dr. Fauci saying he wouldn't recommend they play past September. Well, they normally play into October when things started on time in March. So getting a season done by September now would be very hard. Hey, and and speaking of Dr. Fauci, did anybody else catch the fact that he now admits to lying about wearing masks? Because at the start of this, he was just afraid, like toilet paper, they would all disappear in the hospitals and the first responders and the people that need the masks wouldn't be able to get them. So he admits now to lying to underplaying totally the concept that masks could actually have kept you and your family safe at the beginning of this because he didn't want to run on them. So there's going to be some questions moving forward about your health experts. We'll use that in quotes for the first time, maybe here for Dr. Fauci telling you things, not necessarily for what's good for you, but instead what is good for somebody else there's some very bad stuff going on out there the coronavirus does still exist COVID-19 is still out there and even though we're seeing that it might be waning a bit people are still getting sick people are still dying and you should still be staying careful by doing some very basic stuff and one of those is probably not going to a bar with a bunch of your friends which was the case for a woman that worked for the Mayo Clinic in Florida when it went out with a bunch of her friends to a bar and 15 or 16 of them got the coronavirus. It's what the Texas governor is blaming on their spike. So even though things are opened up, the people that are going to ignore these warnings and go into an enclosed area with a bunch of people, especially when there's dancing or singing or anything like that going on, are definitely putting themselves at more risk and you have to understand those risks i mean we still live in a free country kind of so if you're going to do that just understand the risks that are out there there was an interesting article on fox and this is a rarity for them but they asked it was only four healthcare workers on a scale of one to ten 
what they would rank the riskiest places to go, the riskiest behavior and the least. And they rated those things and and then came up with the average, the riskiest things to do, which were a nine out of the 10 scale bars and large music concerts. It makes sense. You're in an enclosed area. You're not moving around a lot. If you go to a concert, usually you're next to the same people for an hour, two, three hours, and they're screaming and yelling and cheering. So there's a lot of droplets getting into the air, a lot of that stuff aerosolized. And even if you're wearing masks, this stuff is not 100%. And it comes in through your eyes, all these other things. So the bars and large music concerts, that seems to make sense to me. Most dangerous than sports stadiums, gyms, amusement parks, churches, and buffets at an eight. So still pretty dangerous. Public pools, a seven. I would like to know if anybody can actually prove this. I mean, you have to change maybe in some of these places, and that would be dangerous if you're in a locker room or something like that. But otherwise, public pools outside, I'm kind of questioning that. And if the transmission level is that actually high outside from most of the things I've seen, nobody has actually ever proven that outdoor transmission is a major problem at all. And it seems like outdoor transmission, especially now with all these restaurants opening up outside patio areas and stuff like that in the Chicago area and beyond, you're not really seeing a spike in most of those places. Movie theaters, hair salons, barbershops come in at a six, which is still higher than planes, beaches, bowling alleys, and backyard barbecues at a five. Busy city sidewalks, dentist offices, they had a four rating. Libraries, museums, grocery stores, hotel and golf courses, three. So pretty low. Interesting also that a golf course and a grocery store rated about the same as far as your risk of being exposed to COVID. A two rating goes to pumping gas, walking, running and biking outside. And a one goes to restaurant takeout and tennis so i don't know was this paid for by the restaurant industry i don't know but this is showing again with restaurant takeout being number one you know the least risky that the whole concept that surfaces and people touching things probably not that big of a concern and bars and music concerts at a nine tells you that being in an area close to other people for an extended period of time says yes probably it's aerosolized more than anything else But until this virus is gone and it's still going to be a while, those who have pre-existing conditions or live with people with pre-existing conditions need to be careful and take the proper precautions. If you listen to the last show, you know, I had a couple issues with the heart going a little bit haywire. It's been an overall good week. No issue. See the cardiologist tomorrow feeling pretty good. So hopefully that was just a little blip on the radar. And again, Like the COVID thing, I know there are steps I have to take, which is drop some weight, keep the exercise going, and it's some pretty simple stuff, but we all get into bad habits. So we have to take these little signs that we need to do something, take them seriously, and make the changes that we need to make. Now, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me here on the Random Thoughts podcast yet again. There are a lot of podcasts you can listen to. And we appreciate your time that you give us for us to rant and do these shows. It is very much appreciated. 
And for those of you that donate to the show monetarily, your support means more to me than I can put into words. And as you know, I like to say a lot of words. We do have two executive producers today. One is Srinivas Murti. I know I'm always butchering that name. I do. And I hope I'm getting better, at least with it. And our buddy, Harry Hamster. Both of them came in with notes that talked about the little issue I had there with the AFib and the uh, heart racing and all that. And uh, both suggested I don't rant that much. And uh, But now I have medication. So see, the medication allows everything else to stay in check, hopefully, while the rant level can still go up. And that's you never want to be on medication long term. So hopefully we'll get all that stuff figured out. But as the short term goes over the last week, everything has been good. No other issues. So as I said last week, hopefully just a little blip. And again, we know what needs to be done in order to to go that route. Our buddies on No Agenda Social, there are a few of them in Phone Boy and Sir Chris, who uh, Sir Chris also has an AFib issue. And a lot of it is just maintaining a proper weight, diet, exercise, all the stuff that gets harder to do as we get older. And now that I've hit the big 5-0, everything starts falling apart. Everything starts going to hell. So it's time to get serious so we can keep this show going for a nice long time. If you haven't subscribed or donated yet, you can go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com to subscribe. There's a bunch of buttons you can do at Android. Apple, get the show in your email each and every week so you don't miss an episode. And if you want to donate, you can do so one time. You can do so on a subscription through PayPal. You have a P.O. Box address you can send cash to if you want. There is a QR code if you want to do Bitcoin, all sorts of choices. And again, thanks to everybody who supports this show in a variety of ways. It is very much appreciated. So until next week, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 